Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 14 years. But this is a place where we talk about cocktails. We'll be talking about products. We'll be talking about books. And talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the drinks world and asking them for their top tips to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends, cocktail-wise. So let's hear what's on the show this week. In honour of the fabulous women, Women X and those who identify as women working in the drinks industry, this is our International Women's Day special. Yes, it's a day late. International Women's Day was actually yesterday, 8th of March. But who cares? Why should it be just about one day? There are women doing amazing things all around the world every single day. Like Joy Spence, the master blender at Appleton Rum, one of the products that we're tasting today. And Dr. Anne Brock, master distiller at Bombay Sapphire and creator of Bombay Sapphire Premier Crew Mercy and Lemon Gin the other spirit that we're tasting. Mallory O'Meara's award-winning Girly Drinks, A World History of Women and Alcohol is our book of choice this week. And we check out Julia Cucciarillo's first-class drinks and five-star hospitality at the Artesian Bar in London. Last, but by no means least, we head over to Miami for a chat with the powerhouse that is Christine Wiseman, Beverage Director at Bar Lab, hospitality to talk about her past and present projects and how she and other women have shaken things up in her 20 years in hospitality. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves the cocktail. Okay, so what have we got today, Gary? We have got a great cocktail by the great Audrey Saunders. Fantastic. So tell me, out of all of the women in all of the world, why have (laughs) you chosen Audrey? Well, as you say, there's so many people we could have gone with for a cocktail, but she is a a legend. Absolutely. uh, An icon and all of those overused words, but in this case, absolutely appropriate words. I totally agree. And yeah, and she was one of the driving forces of the cocktail renaissance, I guess, in New York, and that obviously had its knock-on effect over here and Mm. around the world. So I think, yeah, we're celebrating women, let's celebrate Audrey Saunders. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so which one have you chosen? I am going for the G. Gin Gin Mule. Lovely. Gin Gin Mule. I don't know why it's got Gin Gin. Well, well let's why see. Not? You know, why not? Why Has not? it got lots of gin? Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's answered my question. So, yeah, Gin Gin Mule. And very briefly, what she describes this as is when she was working with the amazing Dowd Groff mm-hmm. many, many years ago, she was intrigued by his version of the classic mojito and she liked the sort of use of the fresh mint and she was really getting into gin at that time so she thought well what would happen if i swapped out the rum and put in gin and that makes it sound really simple which ain't Mm. but it kind of grew from there so let me actually start making it in that case so i have got in front of me i've got a shaker and first of all i'm going to put in a couple of slices of fresh root ginger i've got a little piece i'd say it's about the size of your thumb and i've sliced that into big fat, fat slices putting that in my shaker and one of the things i like about this is that it's got the fresh ginger it's got and now fresh mint going in so you get all those nice sort of smells even before you sort of mm. crack open any bottle so i'm putting in about where am i about a dozen 12 i should say a dozen or 12 or 12 whichever you prefer which is and also i suppose with the mint um the mint leaves it depends on the size of the yeah. leaves as well. well that's a very good point so i'm probably putting in a little bit more actually because there's slightly a little bit a little bit puny those ones i wouldn't say puny well you know sometimes you get these really big (laughs) big fat leaves and these ones are sort of middly aren't they yeah so we've got those in my shaker i'm gonna give that a little muddle so get my 
So this is where I put in some hard work. Okay, good. It's good to see. <laughs> but actually, I mean, ginger, it's it, it's beautiful, but it can be a little bit hard to muddle. So you've got to put the Tell elbows. Tell me about it. <laughs> Next up, I've got my gin. So mm. I'm doing, obviously, I'm doing enough for Oh, I can two, smell the ginger. And the mint's beautiful. Yeah, so I want 60 ml each. Each, wow. Yeah, hello. Gin, gin. Happy days. I should actually say the amount of mint I put in was for one person. So I'm just going to add a little bit more mint in there, actually. The the ginger wasn't. I got the ginger right. Right, okay. But just going to put in a little bit Well, I suppose this this recipe as well, it can be adapted for your palate, can't it? I mean, some people may not want as much ginger, maybe. No, and talking of which, the next ingredient is sugar syrup. Mm. And that's one of those ones which, uh, along with the lime, it's... um, yeah, you can sort of dial that up or possibly dial it down. Right. You know, you're going to have a few sweet things going on. So I've got sugar syrup. As we've said many times before, you can buy sugar syrup, but we've made our own. I've made my own. Was it one-to-one? One-to-one. So right. cast the sugar and ordinary nice water shaken up, and I've got sugar syrup. And then, of course, my lime juice. I say, of course, as though you knew what I was going to do, but it's, <laughs> it's a surprise. So I've got one of my favourite bits of kit here, the Mexican elbow. Mm-hmm. Love a Mexican elbow. It's like a, just to describe it, it's a bit like a nutcracker, isn't it? It is. But limes are really tricky to get the juice out of. So a Mexican elbow is really, it really does help, actually. So that was 15 ml each. Right. And I've given it another little muddle, partly because I would have done anyway, but also because I chucked in those extra yes, things. So yes. I'll make sure everything is really good. There you go. Okay. And also all of the ingredients will be up on our website or show notes. All right, so I'm getting my nice ice. Oops. Get my ice in here. And I think while I'm... Um, Doing this, I'm also going to add my ice to my glasses, so they'll be standing by. I've what got, glasses are you we using? We have got tall glasses, or Collins glasses, if you want to give them that name. There's the ice going in the glasses. So, oops, there we get those filled right to the top, standing by, so they're chilling. That's it. So the glasses are filled, the shaker is filled. Right, let's get the top on the shaker. It's Time all, to it's shake. It's all happening over here. I you know. know. Yeah. God, I like multitasking. Right, here goes the shake. I haven't done one for a while. No, you haven't. I haven't forgotten how. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you have to give an extra hard shake as well because of the um, The ginger and everything. Mm. That must be done by now. It's all frosty. so we say all the time, too cold to hold. Yes. Right, so that's good. So I'm going to strain that off into my ice-filled glasses. And my last ingredient is ginger beer. And I love ginger beer, actually. It's Mm. one of those things, I think, from my childhood. And there are so many lovely ginger beers now, aren't there? Some really good fiery ones, but really natural ones, you know, not too sweet or anything. So do shop around for a really good quality ginger beer. Yeah, you want that little bit of bite. Mm. So how much are you just doing it? I just literally just topped it up. Right. It's not that much. I'm just going to give that a little pour through so that all my lovely ingredients yeah. are just sitting at the bottom don't of the forget glass. to do that this folks because sometimes important. people do do that and they yeah. hand it over without sort of mixing it all in and that really does spoil the drink so, yeah. so just put a little oh, wedge lovely. of lime on this bit of garnish oh, wow quite pleased with that right i'll pass that over to you and you say that yeah. without even tasting it but uh, it looks great <laughs> it looks good yes That's, you know drinking with the eyes as much as anything isn't oh. it? right cheers cheers and the, here's to audrey and everybody the gin gin mule here we go oh yum yum and i'm really glad you put that amount of ginger in and it works beautifully with that fentiment you've got a lovely fentiment ginger beer and mm. it's Delicious. Thank you, Audrey. We salute you. So talking of legendary women in drinks, we're heading over to Jamaica and we're joining the Appleton Estate 
Distillery, which was established in Nassau Valley in 1749. But fast forward to 1981, when a marvellous woman, Joyce Spence, joined the company as their chief chemist. And in 1997, she became the first, listen to this, the first ever female master blender in the spirits industry. What, in the world? In the world, in the whole spirits industry. I'm surprised that's not more widely known. Yeah, I guess it is in the spirits industry. But I think, you know, we should make more of it. It's yeah. such an amazing achievement. So what year was that again? That was 1997. So it's not that long ago, to no, be honest with you. Thing, and no. now we have got lots of distillers and blenders and, you know, all people doing amazing so things. She's absolutely a trailblazer. As a woman, as a black woman, it's, you know, phenomenal for so many reasons, but she makes amazing liquids. So it's not just about a token female. This is about someone who knows their stuff and puts it all into the bottle. So aside from that, in 2014, she received an honorary doctorate from the University of the West Indies. And she's got a master degree in analytical chemistry with honours. So she is... I don't even know what that is, but it sounds really (laughs) impressive. No, I'm I'm being serious. Me too. But she works works on Appleton, Ray and Nephew, all of these wonderful Jamaican um, rums. All those rums that we we kind of all... I shouldn't say take for granted, but they've always been there, haven't they? They're there, yeah, absolutely. And there's something really fantastic about that. So we're going to taste the Appleton Estate eight-year reserve. Right. Um, So this is aged for a minimum of eight years. And on the label, I'll pass you the bottle in a moment. It says it's crafted to commemorate the 250th anniversary. And this rum blend includes select reserve pot still stock from our renowned aged inventories. So Joy has taken all of these blends and put them together in this bottle. And we're going to taste them now. There you go. See, this actually, with the, our lovely ginger mule, which we just had, yeah. you could imagine that it could be with rum, actually, because you've got all those lovely things that we normally equate with rum, which yes. is lime and and mint and mint things and, like and that. Ginger even. Yes. Oh. So I'm just having a little look at the bottle. It looks it looks quality. This bottle, yeah, it, yeah. it's sort of old fashioned in look and yeah, shape. I guess yeah. no, not at all. It's just that something very traditional. And it's got her signature. She's on got the her bottle. her signature on. And there's always the thing where people say "crafted with joy," so ah, which is which is that. lovely. Right, hand me the glass. That is like oh, that's glowing in the glass. It's a beautiful. Mm-hmm. I would say sort of bronzy sort of honeyed bronze color what's oh. what are you getting on the nose i'm getting sunshine on the nose oh that's a good one i yeah. think i think we're so craving sunshine aren't we really yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's lovely to have this escape in a oh. glass oh it sort of sweeps mm. over you that aroma doesn't it it's, it's seductive i would say you see I really am a rum girl. Mm. I think that it's, it's you know, we get to taste a lot of spirits neat. But for me, rum is my favourite, yeah. sipped neat. Mm. And this is oh, beautiful. That is, it's so, cr- so creamy mm. as well. It's spicy, a little bit of spice. It's not too, too spicy. Nice and smooth, lovely and honeyed, I think. Um, as you say creamy probably oh. vanilla oh, creamy yeah. and it's um as we normally say we're tasting this at room temperature mm. and um it, it just works a treat just like that i mean it does start you thinking oh yeah you could do a serve this over price it would make brilliant uh old-fashioned mm. you know things like that but you know just sipping it like this is mm. really and it would be delicious. nice in a daiquiri or something mm. like that wouldn't it but it's beautiful and it's Jamaica 
in a glass, I guess. You know, you've got that heat, you've got that warmth, you've got those friendly, happy vibes. All I need is a bit of reggae in the background and I'll be off. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd said that earlier, I'd have had that standing vibes. I could have just faded it up. Seriously, I mean, that is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so, you know, Joy Spence, she does some amazing things. If you don't know her already, please go and look her up. And better still, buy yourself a bottle of Appleton Estate eight-year-old. Um, this is 43% ABV and it's around £28 pounds or so. Really? really? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. actually shocked. I thought yeah. it was going to be much more it's than beautiful. that. beautiful. I'm really shocked. So yeah. good, everybody, good value. one for the drinks cabinet. So it might seem a little bit weird because we've had rum but now we're going to a gin. Yes, we had gin, rum, yeah, and now no, gin again. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, a gin sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I did, and I, I just had a little, little bit of water to, just mm. to clean the old palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm all rare, raring to go. Indeed. So I'm going with Bombay Sapphire, but not your regular Bombay Sapphire. Good, brilliant though that is. I'm going with Bombay Sapphire. Premier Crew Mercian Lemon Gin. Mmm, fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I always am. And this is, I think this is relatively new. I think it came out a couple of years ago. And it's a special edition produced by Dr. Anne Brock, who is the master distiller, along with her team at Laverstock Mill, where they produce uh, Bombay Sapphire. And uh, Dr. Anne Brock, she's very well respected in the gin world, partly for her technical expertise, mm. but also she's has a visionary approach of what she wants to do with the category of gin. And I think this is probably a very good example of that. So as I say, it's called uh, Premier Crew, Mercian Lemon Gin, and it is, they describe it as handcrafted to celebrate nature's finest flavours of the Spain Mercia region. And from that region, along with all the other botanicals they have, they've gone for exquisite citrus. So they've got Mercian fino lemons, mandarins, and sweet navel oranges. Mm. So all that says lemon in the title, there's all these other things going on. So it sounds, the description has made me think, oh, that's sounding tasty. So... Uh, maybe I should just open it. But yeah. actually, I'll just say a little bit about the bottle. Because at first glance, it looks like the classic, mm. dare I say, iconic, mm. <laughs> that overused word, overused by me, I know. Uh, but the classic blue square bottle that yes. we all recognise from all over the world. But I just but, noticed that little yellow strip there. So I think well, on that... On the that's... top, on the neck. Um, oh, not the on okay. the on the label. So oh, is that yeah. where the the lemon? You know, there's that hint at the lemon because yeah. I'm looking at this from afar, so yes. I'm not quite sure. I'll pass it over shortly. Mm. But yeah, they've pulled out the a little strip on the label that says Mercy and Lemon, mm. Lemon Mandarin and Sweet Orange. Let me just give that to you before I crack it open. Mm. Also, the other big difference on the bottle in on the regular Bombay Sapphire, they have a sort of screw cap. Mm-hmm. But this has got a very, very fancy stopper. And mm. um, what is that? It's copper, I think it is. Yeah, copper. Like, copper top. Like, and so that, also yeah. along the side, because I think usually along the side they have the different botanicals. Yes. But this has just got lovely illustrations of the lemon. So, you know, yeah. it's beautiful, actually. It really, really very, nice. Very, Oh, stop. We said we weren't going to say elegant. I wasn't going to say beautiful. (laughs) You weren't going to say elegant. elegant, Do you know what? I think we should. I should invest in a thesaurus. Yeah. (laughs) Find some more words to say. So, anyway, it's a beautiful bottle. Oh, beautiful. There we go. And as I say, it's got this lovely copper stopper. So, let's get this out. There we go. And let me pour you one of my legendary, generous measures. <laughs> You'd never work in a bar. <laughs> go broke in a week. <laughs> right, there you go. Thank nice. you. Right, so this is... Uh, now, is it in my imagination, is there a, a sort of a bit of a yellowy tinge, a lemony tinge? I think it could be your imagination. I think it is my imagination. I can hear because I think I'm seeing clear. Mm. But you definitely get in the lemon on the on the nose, eh? Or the citrus, yeah. shall we say, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's not just the lemons. It is it's supported not... by these other citrus yeah. as well. And it's very, it's 
delicate. It's not a sort of, you don't recoil from that. Oh, I like that. Oh, the smell anyway. The smell is lovely, but the taste is gorgeous, actually, because, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit apprehensive about drinking gin neat because most of it is not designed to be sit neat, but this is really beautiful. There's a lovely balance of those citrus. And I think that having them all play their part in the mix. You know, you said, so there's the Mercia lemons. What about the oranges? What were they different? They are sweet navel oranges. Mm. And there's also mandarins. Lovely. Really, really nice. This is 47 ABV, mm. 47%. So it has really? got that richness. Again. Yes. I mean, it is very unctuous, isn't it? That's that's, the, yeah, that's really like nice. Um, yeah, wow. and I think it's... It's, I don't think, it's not like, oh, when it says lemon in the title, it's not like, oh, this is the lemon yes. flavour, Virginia. It's yeah. not, it's really not, it's much, much, much more subtle. Yes, than that. and it is interesting that, that you're saying that because there's a lot of flavoured gins at the moment, aren't yeah. there? And yeah. I think that some of those tend to feel very chemical. Yeah, but whether, this whether they are or not, yeah, they exactly. feel that way. But yeah. this is really beautifully balanced, I it's think. It's very subtle mm. and... Premium. Creamy. Mm. And we've had two really creamy yes, spirits. Yes, here. It's really and, nice. And this, I think, again, we're drinking it neat. We're drinking it room temperature. Mm. It's super delicious. But I would really like this in a martini. I, I mean, would. I, I would really what, like this. Have they... Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the serves or... No, no I right, haven't, okay. I'll be honest. Mm. Um, but I think anything that you do with gin, you'd mm. want to experiment with this. I mean, definitely. And a gin and uh, tonic would be beautiful. A fabulous mm. gin and tonic. And it would really bring a different dimension, I think, to things like a Negroni. Or or even just making a, a really nice gin sour, I think, mm. with this would really be fantastic. Nice. We love it. So what's the price of that so one? So this is, as I say, 47 ABV, and it is... Thirty pounds for a seventy cl. Wow, bottle. another one that's much cheaper. That, that word "cheap" sounds horrible, no, but less it's expensive. less expensive than I thought yeah, it would too. be. It yeah. feels really, really premium. Yeah. So, thirty pounds. Get a bottle now. That's what I say. Agree. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. My name is Anna Sebastian, and I am a hospitality consultant. My cocktail hack is really, really simple. You know, at the end of the day, we're making cocktails. You shouldn't have to invest a huge amount of money into buying fancy cocktail equipment unless you want to. There's some great alternatives that you have in your home, everything from utensils. But for a cocktail shaker, if you don't have one, the best thing to do is, whether it's a kilner jar or a jam jar, you could use that as a cocktail shaker. It does the same thing. Just make sure it's really, really secured on top so it doesn't go everywhere. But you could just put all of the ingredients in and shake it together with ice to chill it down and then pour it out into your glass. And most importantly, enjoy it. So on to our bar review. Where have we been this week? Gallivanting. Gallivanting, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) We paid a return visit to the Artesian. Yeah, it's a lovely five-star bar in Mayfair in... Is it Mayfair, really? I'd say it's just central London, isn't it? And it was interesting because when we did go, it was kind of late afternoon, Mm. early evening, and it was very grey outside in London, very grey, very cold. And then you walked in and it it sort of just said, hunker down. Yeah, it was like a lovely hug, wasn't it? The lighting was right. Everything was perfect. So it is headed up by Julia Cucciarulo, and bar manager Lorenza Pazetta. So that's obviously one of the reasons why we're giving it a shout out because these two run this place immaculately, don't yeah. they? Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. They're good. So, and they've got a wonderful team as well. But let's talk about the menu yeah, and the, why it works for yeah. us. It's called Duality. Mm-hmm. And the thinking behind it, at its simplest, is it's sort of a reflection, they say, of a very much a two opposite but complementary sides of what that space is all about. Mm. So it's about great five-star luxury, as you've said, but also very progressive and creative yes. sort of drinks. Yeah, exactly. So they've explored two sides 
of seven different drinks, so 14 in total, and they've all got opposite elements to them. Yeah. But there is a commonality. So it might be the ingredient or, you know, just some way of expressing that ingredient. So you have things like moon and sun, light and dark, yeah. right and wrong. Good um, and evil. Good and evil. Yeah. And past and future, mm. I think. So we decided for our first drink that we would do one of the dualities. Yeah, didn't take we? one and then do one, mm. one each. So each. what was it? We started with good and evil. <laughs> and you naturally went for... <laughs> well, I chose the good, but actually loved the evil, which yeah. says so much about me. I mean, I don't... <laughs> well, I naturally just went for evil, so maybe that said something about me. Yeah, exactly. Well, it says something about both of us, doesn't it? So good. Um, I'll just explain what they say about it. This cocktail celebrates everything we love about passion fruit and wine with their good edible fruits resulting in an elegant sour mix with herbal notes. So the ingredients in that one, it's Hendrix Neptunia gin, Chablis wine, passion fruit and tomato water. And it's served in a beautiful... Um, Coupe, you know, a saucer type um, coupe yeah. with a, a, a lovely chunk of ice in the middle. Gorgeous passion fruit colour, very res- reminiscent of our porn star martini in look, you know, yeah, passion yeah. fruit martini that we had last episode, but actually taking it to another level. And I would say with the addition of the tomato water, there was something so complimentary about the way that it it blended in so seamlessly with the passion fruit and just made for an amazing drink with mm. the wine. But as I said, I loved it. But, but the evil, which you'll discuss it, now, which I'm going to come on to, and you mm. once you tasted it, you couldn't keep your hands. I off, know. Keep your hands off my evil. <laughs> um, my evil was. Let me quickly tell you what was in it. It was Singleton of Dufftown, twelve year old Grand Marnier, Chambord, Savoyer Americano, passion fruit husk, and wine reject. Mm. And the balancing your one, the reason they describe it as evil is they say evil ingredients are things that are normally wasted. Yeah. So for instance, the passion fruit husks. So normally they're thrown away, which is a bad thing, which is evil, but they're utilising them into the drink. And what I liked, well, there's a number of things I liked about this drink, but first of all, I really liked the way it was served. Um, so they bring to the table a wine decanter so it kind of it has elements of wine about it and then that's poured into your glass and it's a it's a wine glass yeah nice and then, balloony wine glass yeah it's there, a really it? nice balloon wine glass and when it's sort of ready for you to drink there's no ice there's but no you garnish didn't mention, they sort of pour it on its side so there's a real yeah. element of theater to it isn't there? yes it is it's um how can i describe that the glass is sort of lying on its side it's resting on a little ledge and then they sort of pour it with a flourish into mm. that glass. But as I say, it ends up looking like a kind of glass of wine. Mm. But man, it does not taste like a glass oh, of it's wine. Lovely. It was so delicious. <laughs> and what I liked about the way it tasted was that it was not one of those things where you go, oh, it's a, I'm really getting the whiskey or I'm really getting the, the shampoo or whatever. Everything just combined beautiful to give what I would describe as quite a powerful drink yes, in the yes. most pleasing of ways. Yeah. And then you tasted it and you kept tasting it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Thank you delicious. Very much. And as well as the, um, the husks and the passion fruit, they use the wine rejects as well. So that's another way of utilising things that get thrown away. Yeah. But really, really clever pairing i think the good and the evil and also just showcasing the two sides of you know passion fruit and wine in 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 two different drinks we also then we went a bit rogue and we decided that we would choose one of the drinks that we liked ourselves the like the look of i went for ammo which um their interpretation of it it's they say it's the most beloved cocktail reinterpreted using some of the least favored ingredients with a sharp umami blend that reconciles contrasting elements so in that and it was very much a negroni definitely Mm. no apology about that but they've reinterpreted in a way with campari glenfiddich ground crew 23 chinar blue cheese and the artesian secret umami essence 
which we were told has got some elements of anchovies in it. Mm. So it was very, very bitter. But actually, there was this lovely burst of umami with the blue cheese and the anchovies. And I would say anybody who loves a Negroni should definitely give this a try because it just takes it in a different direction. Really, really beautiful, but very bitter. So, you know, if you're not a a lover of bitter things, this is not for you. But I would just say, if you are a Negroni lover, give this one a try. And meanwhile, I went off in another direction. I went for the light and darkness uh, section. I went for darkness. So, <laughs> Surprise. I mean, I mean, what with evil and darkness? I don't know if there's a bit of a theme developing for my characteristics. I think there is, my friend. Um, so darkness, what was in darkness? It was Casamigos Mezcal, Herradura Blanco Tequila, Amaro Montenegro, Lime Galangal and wasabi. Mm-hmm. So the reason it's darkness is because a couple of the key ingredients are grown underground. The the, the galangal and the wasabi are roots, so they're grown underground. Hence the darkness. In a way, it's described. Uh, it was described to us as a kind of a variation on a margarita. But to be honest, I think it's a lot more. Yes, than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a drink in its own right. And what it's got two of my favourite flavours in anyway, because it's kind of got that hint of ginger and wasabi, which I really, really love. But neither of them took over. They were sort of just gave the drink a really nice heat, a lot of length. And I, I just absolutely loved it. And it was also, oh, I should say, it was in a really nice uh, vessel. It's like a black ceramic vessel. Yeah, with a nice little slick of... There was was it some salt not on the rim that you'd normally no, get on a margarita, on the, but on the sides, and it just looked like a beautiful brushstroke. Yeah, which because was, at first we both thought it was actually part of the design yes, of the ceramic, but it was yes. actually the garnish. But yeah, absolutely delicious drink. So I was very happy with both mm. of my choices. Um, also, as well as the included in the fourteen drinks, there's three non-alcoholic versions of some of the ones that are actually in the menu. Well, actually, the one I should have said actually that one I, the last one. And I had darkness. That you comes, can have that it comes as, as a non-alcoholic right, as well. Okay, yeah. lovely. Just to say before we do talk about food, that's the on the prices. Most of the drinks are all around twenty one. Twenty one, yes. And the non-alcs all around about thirteen. Mm. Um, my the um, ammo that I had that was twenty six. So that's probably more of I the think pricey that was the one. Top of the range, yeah. And also we have to mention the lovely one that we had as a, our aperitif, which is that lovely martini esque one that's served future. in a, it future, and yeah. it's served in a test room, and it's so beautiful that again I think it's one of those drinks that you should try there because it looks brilliant also you can use it as and they say that people order it as a kind of palate cleanser in between their food or in between courses of of cocktails but or just drink it because it was just delicious and then on to the food. It's a mm. wonderful collaboration they've got with um, Humble Chicken. Humble Chicken. Uh, we've actually talked about Humble Chicken. Not on here, actually, no, in our magazine. Yeah, We did a piece about Humble yeah. Chicken last year, I think. It's really great. It's a, a restaurant in Soho where you can get chicken every which way with from every part of the chicken. Yeah. But here they've partnered with the chef Angelo Sato from Humble Chicken. And we tried some amazing dishes. I've got to go back and try some yeah. of the other things. There was the tuna tatar, which comes with avocado, tomato, ponzu, and these delicious seaweed crisps mm. and shisho. And then, oh God, my mouth's watering. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> And then the buttermilk chicken, which they serve with a beautiful spicy miso mayo. They also have things that I, we didn't try, but you um, know would love this. Scotch egg katsu curry. Scotch with, egg, you say? Yes, with nori. <laughs> and then Peking duck bow oh. sliders. Mm. And actually, the food is really well priced for the tuna tatar. It's £18. The buttermilk chicken, £15. Scotch egg, £11, and the Peking duck bow sliders, 14 yeah. So, and, and I think what's really worth saying, it's something you and I have talked about a lot over the years, about what goes with cocktails in any bar. And this is really elevated snacking is yeah it? yeah so, yeah you know you, of course you're in there you're having great drinks you don't want a full meal you don't want a you know burger or something mm. put in front of you um, at the same time you don't want to leave to go, uh, go and have something and these they're just perfect perfect accompaniments yes exactly yeah. so this is our 
pick of the week, definitely, mm. Artesian Bar, with the wonderful Julia and Lorenzo at the helm. Now, this book is really fascinating. It is not a recipe book. We've got lots of recipe books by fantastic women. But I've saved this one for over a year because I really wanted to highlight this and celebrate females for this book. So it's called Girly Drinks, A World History of Women and Alcohol. And it's by Mallory O'Meara. And it is amazing book. I'll pass it over to you. you. It's not just a history book or a feminist book about alcohol. It's like the Spice Girls of of, of books. <laughs> it's really about girl power and empowering words about women's place in drinking history. I love her, her the way that she talks. I love the way that she engages. It is a history book, but it's so not dry. It's just really fun, light, fantastic, and packed with information. It takes it's it's three hundred and eighty four pages about women's place in drinking history. And it takes in 15 stories about females in the world of drinks. And it starts from 12th century China and takes us right through to the wow. 2010s. For all what that's Because I thought you were going to say like the last couple of hundred years or something. No, like it's, no. it's everything. I mean, when I first looked at the, the word girly drinks, I hated it because I hate that um, association that people say about girly drinks. Yeah. But she's really taking the mickey out of that really yeah Yeah. absolutely and also saying how important they are in history because Mm. right from the early days it was women that were making drinks and so it's talking about the people that make them so brewers distillers and and also the way that women drink as well and how it's been in and out of fashion how it's been regarded and also disregarded and how all sorts of fantastic stuff. So even though I say it's 15 stories, there's lots more in there, lots of woven in, lots of different details. What jumped out at me, because uh, I was just flicking through it just when you were talking, Mm. and it's it's not got a lot of illustrations and it doesn't need them. But the two that jumped out at me, which I think illustrate some really nice points. One, there was a picture of a woman that I was drawn drawn to because she's super elegant. 1920s. Elegant, you say? Yes, sorry. <laughs> Super stylish. Uh, wearing a great hat, drinking. And the, the caption is Queen of the Bootleggers. Ah. So I want to know about that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. she looks really cool. She's drinking a drink, looks really comfortable in her own skin. And she's the Queen of the Bootleggers. I yes. want to know her story. Absolutely. And there are the, talking of queens, there's lots of people that are in here. So we've got everybody from Cleopatra right through to Julie Rayner. There's also Joy Spence. There's a a chapter on Joy and how she's, yeah, yeah, absolutely, how she's made such a difference in the world of drinks and celebrating her as the first female master, master blender. But there's also things on Ladette culture, you know, when women sort of felt that it was, great to keep up with the guys you know so there's so much in here and it takes in the highs the lows the everything you know and it's about women making serving and enjoying alcohol and it includes as you said queens but also nuns bootleggers and bartenders and it is fantastic so great and and no wonder it has been the winner of the james beard award and it was shortlisted for the spirited awards last year and it's it's just a really amazing social history of drinks and the culture around drinks and females in drinks. And I wouldn't say that it's just for females. I would say everyone should read this because there's a Absolutely. lot to learn. Yeah. Um, also, I would say go on to Mallory's website because she's cleverly suggested drinks to pair with each chapter oh, in the book. That's a lovely idea. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's nice. Very, so when you're settling down in the evening. Yeah, you so you have your chapter. Maybe, it, you know, yeah. just have a chapter a night and then you have the first chapter is a mead and then you go right through to, to 
different Love drinks and idea. it's really yeah. lovely. And she also has a recommended reading list by female drinks writers. Yeah. Um, so her website is MalloryOmira.com. But you can find out more on our website and you'll, as always, see all details of all of the things that we've highlighted in this programme. But I love this this book. It's um, Girly Drinks, A World History of Women and Alcohol. And it is by Mallory O'Meara and it's published by Seahurst and Co. And it is around £14.99. Christine Wiseman has worked in the hospitality industry for 20 years, initially in the restaurant world before moving into bartending in her home US state of Virginia. In 2012, she moved to Los Angeles to work at newly opened restaurant Inc., where she honed her craft for using fresh ingredients and learning pioneering techniques. She went on to work at several acclaimed LA bars and restaurants before leading the innovative beverage program at Break Room 86 and then joining Broken Shaker LA. The last two years have seen her as Bar Lab Hospitality's Global Beverage Director. She has twice been recognised as a semi-finalist and twice recognised as a finalist for American Bartender of the Year and most recently singled out as Imbibe 75 Person to Watch for 2023. As busy as ever, this month sees her cocktails making their debut at no less than four venues, Masiba, Bar Bedford, Jolene and Lilystar, all located at the new Moxie Williamsburg in Brooklyn, New York. So we're thrilled she's taken time out to talk to us. Christine, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you here. And it's lovely to see your face, Christine. And one of the things that I wanted to say, because you'd never really guess it from looking at you, you've been in the business for a whopping 20 years. What attracted you to the industry in the first place? You know, it started off a long time ago. My mother was in the food industry. And and so I, I kind of like grew up inside of that, you know, kind of like hectic and ever changing and, and, uh, you know, much to their chagrin, uh, when I started my first job at, at a little, at a little, um, Chinese restaurant where I went to college, I just fell in love with it. It was a camaraderie. It was, we were all together. There was like three of us and we would work together and take our breaks together and then go out after work together. And it really just became like, it just, it, it really just dr- dragged me in and, and uh, I, I didn't want to let go. Did you always know it would be a career, do you think? I felt it pretty early on. You know, I went to school um, for accounting and blah, 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 boring business, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and, I, and I had worked for Outback Steakhouse for a really long time. And at the time, you know, we were able to transfer within the company pretty easily. And I, I began to work at the world's busiest Outback at that time. And I kind of knew then I, I was becoming, um, I beca- they asked me to become a manager right away. And, and uh, that was it for me. I loved it. It was, it was uh, I don't know if it was like a power trip at first. You're like 21 <laughs> years old and you're like, I'm your boss. And like, marry those ketchup. It's you know? like, <laughs> <laughs> no, and you're like, kind of like, you're like, oh, look at me. And then. And then you kind of like develop and, you, and then you're like, oh, actually this like business degree I did get does correlate with these things. And I could, under, I did understand what was going on. And, and so there, you know, there we have it. it was, it was over. And, and then gosh, moving forward, I was in the kitchen for a really long time. I worked with a startup group where I was like creating recipes as, um, as a chef. And it was, that was super cool. And, and then when I left that and started getting into the back into the the bar side of things, I quickly became, I was like, oh, well, I kind of saw how those things connected as well, making cocktails to creating dishes. And then that was, then I, like when I figured out I could do that, then it was all over. (laughs) So it's interesting you mentioned, Christine, about sort of working in the kitchen. So, and starting as a chef, how did it actually come about that you made that transition? And why did you want to make that transition from kitchen to bar? I really kind of just, again, fell into it. Um, and I, you know, along the way of, of my career, 
so many things just like happened very naturally for me. And I loved it. I love being in the kitchen. I was just actually talking about it earlier with um, some of our managers here. And like, I would cut off the sleeves of my chef coat and I would be all dirty and like hat backwards and, you know, (laughs) and, and loving it. And, um, and again, creating dishes, like working with the chef and, you know, putting ingredients together and cooking in different styles. It was, it was really fun and, and, uh, and learning, learned a lot. But then, so within this time, my, my best friend and I, who was my, my first mentor who really taught me so many things. And, and I'm sure we can go into that into a bit, but we were going to open our own restaurant. And so we were like looking at spaces and in this time I was like, Oh man, I need to make money. And so I decided, I was like, okay, I just need to like make some quick cash. I'm going to go in. I want to buy all bartend. Well, at the time, like I hadn't been, I hadn't, you know, I bartended when I was 19 years old. So that was, you know, been quite some time and nobody wanted to hire me as a bartender because this was when the craft cocktail movement was happening as well. And I didn't know what an old fashioned was. I didn't know what a Sazerac was. Like I didn't, I mean, all of these things were completely foreign to me. And so I talked to this guy, um, his name is Todd Thrasher. He is in the DC community. He owns, um, he has a, now a distillery and had some, you know, beautiful restaurants and bars, you know, back in the day in DC. And I talked him into hiring me into one of his cocktail bars. And I was like, I can do it. I'm, I'm a great, I'm a super fast learner. I'm very fast. Like I know I can do this. And he was like, okay. And I started working with this team and they just like took me under their wing and I didn't know anything. You know, I was drinking Stoli blueberry and Sprites. Like it was my job at that point. And like, you know, like that, that was a cocktail. So, you know, I had, I was having everybody, you know, they, again, they just took me under their wing and it was so, I think that was another turning point for me as well is that everybody was so patient with me and wanted to teach me and wanted to make sure I succeeded because if I succeeded, they were succeeding because then we were, you know, it was a team of teamwork and, you know, it was a, a super high volume, you know, Irish pub with cocktails. And, and so, you know, it was, it was really, it was a really cool experience. And, and, um, when I left there, uh, I, when I moved to LA and at that point, when I worked at Inc with Michael Vataggio, I, you know, I made a few cocktails for them and, uh, for him. And, you know, there wasn't a space at that time to bartend. And so I just, I was like, I just wanted to be there. It was so cool. And like, you know, fresh ingredients and, you know, celebrity chef and all these things. And, and so they, but they all t- took me under their wing there as well and taught me so many things and opened up their pantries and their walk-ins with all of these like insane, beautiful, fresh ingredients, you know, the LA farmer's market, nothing beats it. And so, you know, again, like they just, you know, like we like started, we would open the sous vide and there was like the vacuum seal and all these things. And it was really cool to, to learn from, from a chef's perspective by making cocktails, you know? So it was like, again, like all completely tied back into, you know, back when I used to, you know, cook. But did you did you think that you would go back into chefing or did you, I mean, because you kept with the bartending, what was it about that that really got you? The LA bar community at that point, you know, this was, God, I don't even know how many years ago, but probably almost 12 now. And this was, you know, back when the LA bar community was really small and it wasn't quite so, you know, it wasn't as big as, as it is now. And it was a really tight knit community and they, we were just like, have these fun events. And, you know, I started doing like, you know, it's like the USPG and like blah, 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 and all these things. And like, you know, working, you know, a tasting event and, you know, doing pop-ups and, you know, work, you know, working the guest shift at Harvard and Stone and the back bar with different brands. And, and I also like started doing like some part-time brand work as well. And it just like. Just escalated. It just escalated and just kind of kept going. And, and like I said, like, it was really crazy because I, I never thought that I was like a creative person or artistic. And I don't know how it took me so long to figure out that like, I really, I really am. And I really, you know, it was, and, and I, I, I don't know, it was, it was just so much fun. It was just every day was like the best day of my life. And I couldn't, I never wanted to say no. 
<laughs> so you've had a fascinating career, but tell us about some of the key points. I mean, you've mentioned them, I guess, you know, being in LA and things like that. Is there anything else that you think that's led you to this point of beverage director at Bar Lab? Well, you know, honestly, what, what I have mentioned a few, but the last turning point was meeting Gabe and Elad. Um, you know, I've been with them for about seven you know, or so years now. And they just let me be me. And there was, and there was no questions asked. There was no, like, you need to calm it down. You need to tone it down because like, you know, back in the day, um, you know, with working with like some different brands and things like that, like, because, you know, in the young bartender, some people would be like, Oh no, like can't wear that. Um, can't, you know, talk like that. You can't, you know, we need your name, the cocktail name to be this, or, you know what I mean? Like kind of just always tried to like, you know, they would try to keep me, you know, a little bit subdued and, and, you know, I'm like, I'm not the subdued type and that, (laughs) you know, uh, and it really just when, when working with them and they just like, really like, let me be me and helped foster, you know, nurture that and you know whatever i want wanted to do they were always like yeah that's great love it great you want to go there awesome do it you know like it was just a, a really i mean even you know that's when i was at, at that point probably like 35 or so and you know as you realize that like you can keep changing you can keep growing you can keep evolving it's you know i'm 42 now and and i'm still you know still developing my you know, who I am, you know, I think I'm like pretty close to being there, but we, we still, we still have some, some learning and growing always to do. So, and they just, they really, they really help, you know, keep me grounded and, and let me, but also in this, in the sky. So. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, we said in the introduction, you know, you're in the process of opening four new bars. You're obviously super, super busy. So um, that's an understatement. Um, If everyone can see my face right now. She's doing her busy face, folks. Um, So what does an average day, if if there's such a thing, look like for you? Yeah, you know, it's... um... It's a lot right now. You know, we we have four new venues opening here, and then we have two to three more in the next couple of months on the oh horizon. My God. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, honestly, I I wake up at um, around seven every day. You know, because I am to bed early, so I'm catching up on those late emails that everybody sends, or you know, some London emails, and and so it's that. It's kind of like I'm a huge list person. I've got to have a list. If I don't, it's my day is gone. So I start off my day like, okay, what are my top 20 things that I need to do? And, you know, really just kind of like go at it, trying to stay on track. Um, Try to, you know, I try to just get some emails done in the morning for the first couple of hours. And then that's, and then I have to shut the computer and kind of like put the phone away and then kind of go into like prepping and like R and D and like tasting cocktails because I, I really need to also stay on top of that because everybody's like, we need a drink. We need a drink. We need 10 drinks for this menu. And you're like, Oh God, <laughs> so many. <laughs> so you just like, I gotta like also have like a running list and it's kind of becoming more organized. Um, you know, I used to kind of just like when ideas would like cocktail ideas would pop in my head. I, you know, I never really did anything with them. And now it's like super important that I keep them all written down and, and uh, whether it's just like a flavor I thought of or a, yum like a yum dish i had that i was like oh that could be a you know a great cocktail idea or whatever so i just have this like ever going like kind of list of ideas um and so yeah and then i feel like at that point it's like 10 and i'm like i gotta go to bed (laughs) (laughs) so a long day Wow. Also, while you were talking there, because you're talking about you're creating cocktails for four bars. How do you do that? Do you know what I mean? How do you make them different for four things that you're working on at the same time? Yeah, um, it's actually it's actually been really cool. um, A really cool process to be able to um, hone in on that and to do like four completely different concepts. You know, one is a restaurant, one is a lobby bar, one is a rooftop, you know, indoor, outdoor. And then we have a, you know, basically a high volume, like nightclub. So 
Um, to do that, I, you know, I keep, I'm also like super old school, you know, like talking about my list, like I take like an 11 by 17, like piece of paper and, you know, kind of like set it down and map it out. And, you know, again, like write the, you know, write some like keywords and, you know, especially with like the chef, um, you know, working with him is so much fun and, you know, able to like dial in because it is like, um, like a Levantine Israeli restaurant. So, you know, a lot of flavors that, you know, I've never been. And so I, you know, I've got to take direction from somebody that is from there and, you know, kind of like work that into like my style and also thinking about, you know, having young bartenders and people that aren't, you know, their skill level isn't maybe you know, a 10. And so we got to like think of ways that we can make things, you know, easy for them to understand and learn and make and and also get cocktails out to people fast because that's like kind of like my thing is that I don't I don't can't do the you know twenty minute cocktail sitch, but but yeah I mean you know it's a lot of a lot of books a lot of reading a lot of you know just looking into other people's like different styles of cocktails and trying to take you know look at the way that's been done in the past as well and you know I'm not here to um, rewrite the book on anything and. You know, a lot of people have um, done this stuff in the past. So trying to just learn from, learn from everybody. So does that Fantastic. make sense? A lot. It does, it does. <laughs> um, so we're lucky enough to experience three of your venues, um, Broken Shaker, Takuri Oha and Higher Ground at the Arlo in Miami a few weeks ago. All very different and all extremely popular. But what makes a good bar stroke venue for you? For me, it's just like things that are going to be super approachable. You know, what are ingredients that like people may be able to recognize and um, and have and want to have a, like two or three or more of those. Um, having an area that was like comfortable. I mean, at higher ground, it's like indoor, outdoor, and so the indoor and outdoor, and again, the cocktails that like kind of fit that that scene and then with oha you know i mean i hope you have my michelada it's like probably yes, one of the best amazing it's like, oh god <laughs> i dream about that cocktail all, all, Me there. Too. I, I, all the time like, i'm always like whenever i get back to miami it's like the first place i go to and they're like you're here for a michelada and i'm like this it's a it. happy serve place it up. yeah serve it up serve it up and i think that's what you know i i want for people as well and like you know broken shaker miami of course is like you know, such a dream. It's, it's, you know, the original broken shaker. It's has like, has this like such a magic. It's, so it's a really, a really amazing space that you can just kind of go to and just, you know, it's feels like it hasn't changed in, in, you know, the 11 years that it's, it's been. And, and I think that's something special that, you know, we can say that, you know, we have spaces that are still going strong after 11 years and kind of at a certain point, you know, like, you know, uh, like with, us growing our brand, you know, that's like what we're looking for. We want the spaces that, you know, are timeless and can keep going. And, you know, people, something that people can, it's like nostalgic and you can come and, you know, keep enjoying and groups of people. And yeah, um, I, I don't know. It's, you've succeeded it's, it's, in that. Yeah, it's, it's good. You know, we want, it's, it's for, you know, it's for the consumers and, you know, it's like at the end of the day, like that's, you know, I always try to like tell the, you know, bartenders like, we want to make we want to make cocktails for the, for people, you know. I you know I always have like that one like little bartendery cocktail on the menu, but really at the end of the day, like we want the we, the people that are there to pay and you know enjoy the full experience for what we've you know developed is is what we also want to make the cocktails for. Fantastic, and and it's interesting because um, you mentioned earlier something about early in your career and getting sort of a little bit of mentorship and things, and we know that's very important to you. So, could you tell us a little bit about uh, who have been the key mentors to you in your career, and also who are you mentoring? Yeah, um, well, the, you know, the gentleman I was talking about, you know, Stephen, um, he was the first one to kind of me under his wing and to say like that you are like really good at this job you can do it and really kind of gave me the tools to succeed to be a leader to people because I think that was the first thing that I needed to learn how to do was to be able you know instead of just like doing the checklist and you know opening the opening and closing checklist and like going down that list that's great. You know, that's easy. Just done. It's written out for you. Tell you step by step what to do. But I think I really needed some direction on how to be 
a leader to people. And it was like being able to like just step back and like take a moment and listen to what, you know, your staff is trying to tell you versus, you know, like, you know, I was like saying earlier, like, I, you know, that power trip when you first become a manager, I was young and, you know, egotistical and all these things. And, and I needed someone to be like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you need to, you you, you got to chill out, you know, <laughs> calm it down a little bit. And, and that also took me a second. Cause I was like, you know, your feelings get hurt when someone tells you that. And then, so again, it was just like a, a really beautiful kind of experience, you know, looking back, cause he really did, you know, take me and say like, okay, you have all, you're super smart. You can do all, of, you can do all of this stuff. You can, that's easy, you, but to be successful, you've got to have people you know, want to do anything for you and, you know, create a team around you that is, is, um, yeah, that, that that you can build and that you, and that will literally do anything. And, you know, we're going into, you know, we talk about like sometimes like these openings, like, you know, we're going into war, you know, we're going into battle. (laughs) So, you know, you gotta, you gotta have the people behind you that want to, you know, want to follow you. So, um, so that was, that was a really big lesson for me. And then, Along the way, it was gave me a lot, of course, but also, you know, I I talk about this a lot, but you know, Lynette and Ivy were a really big, you know, big mentor for me along the way because I did speed rack a couple of times and just like being able to see women that were doing so much to change to change our bartending community and our world, like I think is also just so amazing and that it does go beyond just the bar of like making cocktails. Like we have so many things that we can, the bar industry can accomplish and can make change to. And, you know, it's not overnight. That's not going to be tomorrow. And, you know, certainly not next week, but, you know, little by little, I think that we, you know, we can be the positive change that we want to see in our world. And are you mentoring anyone at the moment? I have this girl, Sarah. She worked with me a long time at Brook and Shaker LA. She lived in London for a minute and uh, was contemplating moving back to LA. And I was like, well, if you want, you know, and she was in a, uh, she's, you know, her, her partner was in London at the time. I was like, Miami is closer to London than LA to London. (laughs) So why don't you come here? We have a new project happening. And and she came and, and uh, Miami was awesome. We found her a place to live and, and we still haven't opened her bar yet, but in the process, she has really become like a right hand to me and she helped open the Arlo. She's helping opening the Moxie here with me now. Um, we'll open her space um, hopefully in the next month. Um, and so it's been really amazing to, you know, watch her grow because one of the things that she had said, you know, she's you know, short and, you know, looks young and, you know, had always kind of been like, you know, people don't take me seriously. And it's been, it's been, um, a real honor to like kind of watch her grow and come into herself because now she's, you know, like she trains all of the prep for all of like all of the venues that we've been opening. She takes like the, one of the bars, you know, what, and I placed her at that bar. So those bartenders like love her and like everything she says. So that's been really great. Um, I have this other girl, Nikki, she runs our bar program and Mary Gold at our restaurant in Miami as well. And, you know, this, you know, this weekend sending her for a little like offsite, you know, event event that we have that I can't do. And again, I think that's something that has also taken me a moment to do. And this is what, you know, being the beverage director, like has also taught me and it's like a whole new thing is delegation, you know, mm, and it's hard. It's super hard. It's one of the hardest things. I was like, I, I'll just, I'll just do it. I can do it. I'll do it. And then I was like, I'm up for like 20 hours, and I'm like, why is everybody not? No one else is here but me. And then I'm like, oh yeah, because I did that. I said, you know, I said I could do it. And I, you know, that was a quick lesson. That was a really quick lesson to learn and to delegate. And but the people that want to step up and like Nikki, and she's like, I'll do it. I'll, what do you, you know? And like, so she's been really amazing. And and. uh yeah, I mean, who who knows to get um, where who's gonna happen here at the Moxie? But a lot, so many people are they're so wonderful, and you know, you as you get to you're like at the beginning, you're like, oh, your your skill level isn't like super great, but then you get to know them, and you're like, oh god, I like you so much, and I'll teach you everything. All right, come on, you know, like, and I think that's uh, you know, that's always really fun, and you you know, watching you know, and an opening, watching people's growth is like so insane. Also, so. 
it is our International Women's Day special. And I hate talking about that sometimes, but sometimes you do have to big it up. Are there any women in the drinks industry who have mentored or ex- inspired you? You mentioned Lynette and lovely Ivy from Speedrat. Are there any others? And and other people that you'd like to give a shout out to and why? Yeah, um, let's see. You know, there. I gosh, I just feel like there are so many. So I remember many back now. in the, mm. I just remember like back in the day, you know, it was I figure out like a lot of us were probably this way, like, oh, I, I don't have any girlfriends, they're all guys, like I, girls are so lame and so awful and backstabbing, and I'm like this, no, we're the best. Like we're like super strong and and super loyal and, and amazing. And um, you know, Monica, um, I've just like I always um, like fangirl over Monica because she's so amazing and gives up like so much of her, um, her like IP, her, like she gets, she's always like teaching and like let everybody is part of her process. And I think that's like really cool to watch. Um, I'm sure she like has, you know, mentoring so many people from all over the world because of, you know, of, of uh, social media and things like that. I have some really close friends, you know, Yale Van Groff is like one of my best friends and having her like always there by my side, you know, cheering and, you know, like cheering me on. And like Brooke Arthur is um, one of my really best friends and, and uh, early mentor as well. She hired me for aviation uh, gin a long, long time ago when I was just beginning in this industry and, and, uh, so she introduced me to a ton of people and, you know, again, like just let me have a good old time with, with aviation's money back then. So that was awesome. And I can't, I can't say enough of, you know, how the amount of strong female people. I mean, I'm looking out this and our F&B director is a female. Our designer for all of Bar Labs is, um, space is, a, is female. You know, I have you know, all of my leads, you know, in Arlo are all female. Like I just, you know, like, like surrounding yourself with strong women is so important because I know, like, I know it'll get done. I know it's all going to happen. And, and because like, we're the ones that do. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Gary. Yeah, it's that, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And sorry, I just wanted to say it was Monica Berg that you were talking about. Just yes, in case yes, people yes, didn't, yes. Didn't realize. Fantastic. You've mentioned um, some of the things that you're working on. Is there anything else that you want us to know or people can get excited about for the rest of this year? We have some, like, maybe a couple of situations happening on the other side of the pond, um, which is very exciting. And, um, you know, a project that's going to take me back into L.A., which I'm also really excited about. And then, of course, like, the number one is we're opening uh, Jolene in, in Miami, um, which will be uh, hopefully in in mid-April. So we've been working on this project. It's been like four and a half years in the making, and it was like all happening before. And so this one is near and dear to everyone's heart and ready to get this one open. It's going to be really special. And and uh, yeah, so that's kind of just like a few of the things. And I'd like to throw a vacation in there. Um, so that's exciting for me. Maybe not for, maybe not for everybody, but, um, for me, for me, that's the the exciting thing. (laughs) That's one last thing actually was, um, obviously, you know, so many great things happened in your career. If possible, could you pull out one thing of which you're most proud? Wow. Um, I guess that I would say like my most like proud achievement is it would be being able to do this and to let people know that don't need to fit yourself into a specific mold to make other people happy and to keep forging forth to make yourself happy and great things will happen. You know, like I really believe that, you know, manifesting what you want in, in your life. And I think that would be a really, I think that's like, I think that's, that's it. I love all the things that we've built and done and the cocktails and stuff like that, but really making myself happy is has been one of my greatest achievements. That is amazing, actually. I think that's a fantastic one, because if you can't be happy in yourself, then everything else is rubbish, basically. So thank you so much. You've been such an inspiration, not just for us, but for everybody. And we can't wait to visit your new places and also revisit your old places, because the ones we've been to are absolutely 
amazing. So thank you, Christine, for joining thank us. Thank you. And we well, hope to see you soon. Me. You will. You will. When you're in York or Miami, let me know.